Every April, millions of people turn on their televisions Sunday morning to watch the final round of the most prolific golf tournament in the world, the Masters. Held at the famous Augusta National every first weekend of April, the Masters draws all sorts of spectators. Those who follow professional golf regularly, and those who only tune in for a relaxing mid-afternoon program. You may wonder how a highly stressful and incredibly competitive sporting event can be described as relaxing. But whether you're lucky enough to attend the exclusive event, or just watching through your television, nobody can deny the serenity of Augusta National. From the pure white bunkers lining the freshly trimmed fairways, to the azalea trees full of songbirds, the presentation of this annual golf tournament is second to none. I started playing golf at the height of the pandemic in the spring of 2020. Like many others during the time, I often found myself alone, playing solo on the course or in between classes. With senior year lacrosse season being canceled, I was itching for some form of activity. Plus, I had just recovered from a brutal ACL, PCL, and MCL surgery on my left knee. So my body was ready to go. When my dad first suggested golf as a pastime, I couldn't help but laugh. Dad, golf is for retired, unathletic geriatrics with nothing better to do in their day. And after looking me up and down, he said, Jake, with that bum knee, you are an unemployed geriatric with nothing better to do in your day. So, onto the course I went. And oh my goodness, did I suck. But the moment my club face struck that little white ball, I was hooked on getting it to go farther, straighter, and higher. My story is not unlike many others. In fact, despite facing a global pandemic with major economic and social setbacks, 2020 proved to be a fantastic year for the growth of golf. Chris Saddleberger from Golf Digest wrote about 2020's golf popularity boom. He said, quote, 2020 was not just good for golf, but it was Tiger Woods good. Tiger Woods, commonly regarded as the greatest golfer of all time, brought about a golf resurgence of his own about 20 years ago. As a young amateur, Tiger Woods burst onto the golf scene with unprecedented athleticism and strength, which gave him a huge advantage over the other, older golfers in his field. Tiger's fiery personality, which showed both on and off the course, attracted many new fans to the sport of golf. Tiger's greatness showed young people that golf could be an exciting and athletic game. In 2020, the NGF accounted for over half a million new golfers. This is a, the largest increase since 2003, which was right in the middle of Tiger Woods' prime. All of this popularity growth, also in the face of thousands of people avoiding play for economic or health reasons, is seriously unprecedented. Of course, golf is an easy game to pick up when you can't play sports with anyone else. It's a game against your own self. And it's a great way to get outside, enjoy nature, and appreciate the curated environment around you. Emphasis on the curated part of that. At the end of 2022, the NGF reported there to be over 16,000 golf courses at 14,000 golf facilities. This is more golf courses than McDonald's and Starbucks in the country. The construction of a golf course bring, brings about a large change in whatever ecosystem is around it. Primarily, the beginning of construction produces a massive land clearing for a layer of topsoil to create the foundation for the course. On average, a full-sized 18-hole golf course takes anywhere from 120 to 200 acres of land. Of course, this much topsoil calls for an advanced system of irrigation, 
along with the utilization of thousands of pounds of pesticides and fertilizers to keep the grass green and soft. Many courses often spray the green, their greens with paint and chemicals in order for it to maintain its quote-unquote natural color. All of this during construction will change the natural landscape of the environment around any golf course. Furthermore, the construction process itself is harmful to the surrounding environment. Water courses are diverted and dust and noise are constant. As a result, the surrounding wildlife is often disturbed and goes on to disappear before construction is done. Obviously, plants are also heavily affected by construction. Runoff and dust change their natural composition and lead to lack of biodiversity. While the environmental impacts of the golf course construction are only temporary, they change the landscape of the ecosystem around it forever. Carpe opens with a clamor as I rub my eyes and swig my coffee. The sun had barely risen. It was time to get the course ready to play. Carts out, bags in, tea sheets studied. I slumped down in the bag room and hope to God 7am doesn't creep up too fast. My eyes close as I hear the maintenance crew setting pins and mowing grass out on the course below. Working at a golf course last summer really got me to appreciate the work that the grounds and maintenance crew put into the average day. They were up before dawn and working hard, manual labor, to keep club members happy. The scene I saw every morning is not unlike every other golf course. Each course around the country requires tens of thousands of gallons of water a day, and tens of workers to operate heavy diesel fuel machinery to keep fairways clean and short. Mowing, pest control, fertilization, aeration, sanding, irrigation are all part of the maintenance job. Most of these jobs use unsustainable energy resources. Mowing not only contributes to air pollution, but also leads to lack of wildlife and soil erosion. Speaking of soil, the pesticides and inorganic fertilizers put into the ground every other day leak into nearby water sources and create habitats for pesticide-resistant pests. Maintenance in golf courses can lead to the full destruction of habitat and contribute to air and water pollution heavily. Now that I have you convinced that golf is a sport of the environmental devil, let me bring you all back. Golf courses are not the leading cause of air and water pollution, and their total area in the country is a negligible percentage. Plus, golf is a sport that generates hundreds of thousands of jobs across the country that require little to no previous experience. And, most importantly, in the face of golf's environmental crisis, there are courses taking an eco-friendly stand in order to preserve the game they love. Widow's Walk is an 18-hole municipal golf course located in Situate, Massachusetts. It's about seven minutes down the road from my house, and the course I have played the second most, definitely over a hundred times. While myself and others have complained about the conditions of the public course, Widow's Walk was one of the first golf courses to advocate for eco-friendly and natural golf in Massachusetts. New England Golf wrote this about the course, quote, Designed in the 1990s, its mission was to have a minimal impact on the environment. Upon opening, it was named one of the, quote, best new golf courses in America by Golf Digest, and has since won several awards and designations such as an Audubon International Certified Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary. They then go on to say that, quote, designing and building a golf course that blends in with the contours and ecological surroundings of the land is now a growing trend all over the world. Widow's Walk was originally built on an old sand and gravel pit. The vegetation, trees, and natural plantings that have grown in since over 20 years ago have made for a beautiful, challenging golf course to play. 
Now, the sand and gravel pit is partially true, but people from the area know that Widow's Walk was built on a glorified landfill. And the challenging part of the quote is another understatement. Widow's Walk is not just difficult, it is penalizing. If you're to miss a fairway, there is over a 50% chance your ball goes into thickets, trees, or water. And this is only true because of Widow's commitment to environmental awareness. Speaking of commitment, they have one of those on their homepage. Quote, As a commitment to the environment, Widow's Walk became a certified Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary course in 2002. This program ensures that we continue to be a benefit to the environment by establishing avian nesting box programs, providing habitats for numerous other species of animals, and using integrated pest management to apply the least amount of water, pesticides, and fertilizer as possible. Widow's Walk is clearly committed to sustainable and eco-friendly golf. However, many complained about the course's difficulty and lack of unobstructed space. So this now presents us with an interesting conundrum. Do we sacrifice golfers' enjoyment of the game in order to create habitats for wildlife in the ecosystem? Or do we ignore all environmental protests and continue to endanger both natural ecosystems and the centuries-old game? Obviously, the middle ground is the obvious answer. Luckily, there are hundreds of people dedicated to continuing golf's development from an environmental standpoint. Furthermore, Widow's Walk is not the newest course to allocate resources towards environmental stability and sustainability. Around the country, courses are switching to electric vehicles to reduce gas emissions. Water reduction is becoming a forefront in many communities. And the advancement in fertilized technology allows easier access to organic groundskeeping. Also, communities like the Audubon Cooperative, who are giving sanctuaries to these golf courses, are giving wildlife a home on the golf course. While golf and the environmental community continue to clash, it is clear that both sides of the argument are making important strides to find a common ground.